Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hi, it's Brendan here. Before we get into this week's show, I just wanted to give you a quick reminder about Spiked Supporters. Spiked Supporters is our way of giving back to those of you who support our work. Spiked has no paywall and no subscriptions. We rely on the generosity of listeners and readers like yourself to keep us going and growing. Sign up to become a Spike supporter today and you'll not only help Spike to reach more people with our pro-freedom, pro-democracy message, you'll also get some exciting perks in return, including discounts on events, discounts in our shop, and much more besides. To find out more about becoming a Spike supporter, just go to spiked-online.com slash supporters. That's spiked-online.com slash supporters. The adults are indulging the children because the children go, well, I don't like what he believes. And the adults go, oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll make it okay for you. You know, we'll make it okay so you're not offended and you feel unsafe. People are afraid of opinions now. People are afraid of, what, of beliefs. When people ask you, what are your pronouns? This is not a question. This is a test. Yeah. Because if you don't answer, oh, uh, he, him, immediately... And you say, no, you can just call me James. Oh, oh. Yeah. That person will go to someone else. He's a transphobe. It's a, it's a test. Hello and welcome to The Brendan O'Neill Show with me, Brendan O'Neill. This is a podcast in which an esteemed guest joins me to talk about the big ideas, the bad ideas, the problems and the controversies of life in the early 21st century. In this episode, I am delighted to be joined by James Dreyfus. James is an actor. He's widely known for his excellent work in TV and theatre. His TV shows include The Thin Blue Line and Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. And he's also appeared in films including Notting Hill. More recently, James has been one of the very few creatives who's put his head above the parapet on the issue of cancel culture and so-called wokeness. In particular, James has raised some really important questions about how trans activism is impacting on women's rights and gay rights. So James, I want to start off by asking you about the current moment. I mean, obviously there are lots of specific issues I want to ask you about, but I want to start off by asking you about the political atmosphere, because it seems to me that we live in an incredibly brittle, shrill, sometimes even psychotic atmosphere where it's very difficult to have political discussions. It's very difficult to have disagreements. People are always jumping down your throat and branding us phobic or bigots simply for disagreeing with them. So before we get into particular issues, how do you understand this current moment? How do you see this atmosphere and how does it feel to someone like you? Well, I blame the uh, social media entirely. We did not have this problem before. Everyone walked around with a mini computer in their pocket. Where they, There's never been a generation with so much knowledge at their fingertips who don't know anything. <laughs> if you've got a situation where everyone in the world gives their opinion and you can do it uh, anonymously from your basement 
it's going to get toxic. There are some nasty people out there, and the internet has opened it up. And that's why you can say anything you want. So everything is a toxic debate at the moment. You say you love birds, someone will have a go at you. Everything is toxic. I also happen to believe that not all teachers, but some teachers have not helped the matter, and parents, by, um, you know, every child gets a medal, no one comes last, they don't understand the word no, they don't understand how it is to lose, they don't understand that life is hard, they don't understand that no one owes them a living, they don't understand that you've got to battle through this life. And I think they expect things on a plate and are outraged when that doesn't happen. Okay, well, let's talk about one of the issues on which there is a lot of the of that outrage and on which it is very difficult to have a reasonable discussion, as you will know from personal experience, which is the issue of transgenderism, the trans ideology or however else we want to refer to it. I think it's always important for people like you and me and and everyone else involved in this discussion to make it clear we're not talking about trans people, the vast majority of whom want to have perfectly normal, liberal, free lives. We're talking about a very noisy and influential and small band of trans extremists or whatever they want, however we might refer to them, who are having a distorting impact on public discussion. So talk to us a little bit about your own experience in potentially being cancelled or almost being cancelled as a result of raising some questions about that issue in particular. Graham Linhan, who I've known for you know nearly 30 years and worked with him in first, uh, pointed uh, these things out to me, and I hadn't been aware of what was happening to women. And I very quickly understood that this was nothing to do with the, with transsexuals. It was nothing to do with people. That was that's not the issue. The issue is that is Stonewall has created this catty, ridiculous umbrella, and there seem to be. 175 different versions of something under that umbrella. So when they use the word trans, I don't know who they're talking about. Are they talking about someone who's non-binary? Are they talking about someone who's neurodivergent fluid? I don't, you don't know. And I think it's kept purposefully confusing just for this issue. And so if I, if you criticize someone who says they're non-binary, we're all non-binary for God's sake. If you criticize that, you're transphobic. If you deviate in any way from the script, you're transphobic. Look what happened to Margaret Atwood. Mm -hmm. Look what happened to Sarah Paulson, who said, fuck you, uh, J.K. Rowling, and then had an argument about why she didn't put pronouns in her bio, and they all turned on her. So this is about a doctrine, and it's a doctrine run by TRAs. By that, I mean men who have no intention of... Uh, uh, transitioning, uh, which is fine. You can, if you want to call yourself Polly and wear a dress, that's entirely up to you. But it seems to be impinging on another group. People keep saying it's like the gay, fighting for gay rights all over again. Bullshit. It's not because we weren't impinging upon another group and actually impinging in a manner. I've never seen a group behave so badly Mm. if they actually want something. You know, you would have thought you'd say, please, or ask. But this is a demand after demand after demand. I've got over 2,000 insults on my phone from when I got involved in this. 
I mean, things uh, that are unspeakable. I wouldn't even say them here. We all know it. And also we have to understand that in this world, not everyone is trusted. Not everyone is a good person. Not everyone lives in this utopia of be kind and love. There are some really unpleasant people out there who, you know, would get convicted, if he was a rapist, get convicted by the judge and then suddenly say, oh, my name's Michelle and I would like to go to women's prison. And, of course, they do that. And it puts the women in danger. And this is happening in sports, in changing rooms, everywhere. So we're not talking about transsexuals. We are talking about people who might take advantage of this. And women and girls are not collateral damage. We should be safeguarding. This word has disappeared. I want to come back to the question of Stonewall, who you mentioned there, and also how this is not the same as the fight for gay rights, because I think that's such an important point, and it's really worth teasing out what we mean by that. But firstly, you you mentioned there what this does to women, what this campaigning does to women. So I just want to ask you a couple of questions about that in particular. And I also I always worry that not enough men are standing up on this issue. I mean, lots of women are putting their head above the parapet and getting a whole lot of flack for doing so. But the number of men who are often offering them solidarity is sadly quite small at the moment. But let's talk a little bit about what this ideology, I guess, does to women. I mean, one of the things that's happening at the moment while we're speaking is yet another onslaught against J.K. Rowling. I know. You have spoken out in her defence. You've signed a letter in her defence. She has received rape threats and death threats. She's been doxxed, all because she believes in biological sex. She thinks there should be women-only spaces, you know, a a quite old-fashioned idea until quite recently. So on that instance in particular, on the J.K. Rowling case, what do you think that tells us about the undercurrent or the overcurrent of misogyny that is in TRA campaigning. It's all-encompassing. It, uh, in fact, I believe it's, it, it's what it's all about. J.K. Rowling, a very clever, successful woman who I was at a lunch with many years ago, and I wonder how much the, the gay community at the moment realise how many millions, millions, this woman has given to people with AIDS, to support uh, uh, charities. She is not anti-trans. We had a discussion about it years before this was an issue. If you read what she wrote and you comprehend it and you take it in and you absorb it, you'll see exactly what she's saying. Half of these people haven't even read it. You've got people saying, oh, she's transphobic, just cherry-picking little bits of things without putting anything into context. Again, it's all about a lack of nuance and a lack of context, and I blame this social media because you you can't have it on there. I have never witnessed, ever, uh, I get messages from women every day in pieces, in, in absolute pieces. They feel so betrayed, so betrayed. And you think, we've got mothers, we've got grandmothers, we've got aunts, we've, we've got all these women who brought us up, well, my generation, who brought us up and kicked our asses. And now we're going to turn around and just say, yeah, all your hard-won rights, now nah, you're less important than another group. So I think misogyny is at the heart of it. And in, in relation to J.K. Rowling, I think that's that's incredibly clear because... I suppose I should issue a trigger warning here in relation to bad language. But if you look at some of the insults that she gets, she gets 
I mean, she gets called an old hag, uh, which she isn't an old hag, but that is always a giveaway for that misogynistic impulse. Uh, they say, suck my girl dick and uh, issue all sorts of rape threats. And people will say it's a minority. Of course, it is a minority of trans people. Everyone agrees on that. But it's a l- substantial number of people on the internet who make those kinds of comments. And that does really demonstrate your point, doesn't it? That this is, it's about the misogyny. I mean, today I read another one, which sort of said what they should have done is gone there and hung her in front of her family. Now, when people talk about both sides, mm. this is a disingenuous argument because women are getting, you know, they put up with this for years on social media. So, you know, they tend to challenge and they challenge forcefully and they challenge. So they usually ask questions. What do you mean? What? How do you define a woman? How do you define this? And the other side, it, I mean, it's incomparable. It, it's just insult, abuse, death threats, rape threats, and it's the TRAs I'm referring to. I am not referring to the transsexuals. And I also think that those self-appointed leaders of the, in quote, trans thing who, you know, who have, um, column inches and, um, and, and rights, there's about eight of them. Not one kind or, or pleasant thing has come out of their mouths, not even once. They behave as badly as the worst TRA. And so people look at them and, and listen to them. And, of course, they've got the full backing of Stonewall. Uh, Stonewall, who don't respond to any of my questions, uh, which have been polite. I gave up being polite a long time ago. It, we've been completely abandoned, and they knew it would happen because Ruth Hunt said... We know this is going to ruffle feathers, but we believe this is the right thing to do. So why are they acting so surprised that they're getting attacked now? They did a brilliant job right up. Um, I liken Stonewall to Cujo. Once upon a time, <laughs> Cujo was a great dog. And he, for 15 years, he worked and everyone loved him. And then he went chasing for rabbits and he got bitten by a bat who had rabies. And now he doesn't know what's going on. He's gone mad. That's what's happened to Stonewall. Uh, that's a very good description. On on the question of women and womanhood, I wanted to ask you about one of the most insidious aspects of this kind of campaigning, which is that it compels people to say things that they don't believe are true. And I find that there's almost an Orwellian feel to some of this. I mean, when you hear phrases like women with penises, you just... You, you kind of have to take a step back and say, well, that's not true. That isn't, that isn't reality. And yet we are all expected to go along with it. Or people will refer to a penis as a potentially female sex organ in certain situations. It's just not true. So uh, no. there is this compulsion on people to say that two plus two equals five. And if you don't say it, you are in big trouble. So how much do you think the kind of people you're talking about, not the TRAs who are, who've gone all the way, but other people on social media who either go along with it or keep quiet about it, which I think is even worse, how much do you think they've been got at by that extraordinary pressure to bow down to these ideas and not ever to raise criticism? Well, I think that's a a very good point. And I think a lot of people are in fear because women are losing their jobs over, uh, you know, misgendering someone. Uh, I mean, the whole misgendering thing, uh, you know... 
it can't possibly work. You know, for a start, if you're talking to somebody, you wouldn't use their pronouns anyway. Mm, yeah. And if you're at a dinner and there's 10 people with 10 different uh, pronouns, I barely remember people's names that learned their <laughs> pronouns. The whole thing is it, is, it is compelled speech. And what they say is, if you don't do this, you are being hateful and you are being, you're not including us. I have no hate for anyone who's, who's trans. I do dislike the TRAs, but of course trans are welcome everywhere. This this disingenuous thing, trans rights are human rights. We all think that. It's like saying water is wet. Of course they're human rights. But at the moment, at the moment, women are being bullied. And I think a lot of the gay community have gone, they, well, they've gone totally with it. Because look what happened to David Bridal, who um, ran Boys magazine. He put out about the LGB alliance, just listen to them. Give them give them a hearing. Well, he had gay people trying to shut his business down. He was betrayed by all his friends uh, that he'd known for 30 years. And he issued an apology because he had to save the jobs of his staff, mm. you know, which he had to do. Uh, this is where we are now. It's this is where it's a it's a horrible and I, you know the, the the least safe space. I don't like the word safe space anyway because you know where is safe? What do, you, what do you want? A bean bag in a small room? <laughs> a safe space would be in an LGBT bar. If I wouldn't go in one now, mm. why? I'd be attacked. Mm. I'd be attacked on a, a, a people have accused me of transphobia. And do you know I've asked for years. Find me anything that I have said directly that is transphobic. I've criticized TRAs, yes, and their behavior, yes. And all these boys with their, with their pronouns in their bios, you go back a couple of years, you see tranny, tranny, this, that, that, every time. So, and I've never done that because I don't believe, I don't believe it. I, I do not believe in transphobia. I have t transsexual friends. I was partying with them in the 80s before most of these children were even born. So I feel a, a bit insulted, actually, at the moment. It's like, who the hell are you mm -hmm. who know nothing to tell us? Uh, and the revisionism that's going on is also disgraceful. Yes, absolutely. And I think the pronouns in the bio, I mean, it's become a bit of a joke. You know, if someone's got their pronouns in their bio, you know, what, what a sap. But I think it's actually very revealing because I, I I don't use Twitter. I, I can't abide Twitter, I, but I do use Instagram. And what I find is that the, whenever I am targeted by nasty people, they always have their pronouns in their bio. And yeah. it's, it's almost like it becomes a license to be a horrible person because if you've got your pronouns in your bio, it's almost like a force field. This demonstrates that yep. you are the most righteous person that exists and therefore you can do whatever the hell you want. So those kinds of things, it's almost as if under the cover of the being nice about pronouns, being nice about non-binary or supposed uh, trans issues, people can then use that as a, a platform from which to launch the most horrible attacks on people. Of course, and then claim victimhood. I'm not saying that everyone who has pronouns in their bio is horrible, but everyone who is horrible has pronouns <laughs> in their bio. I mean, it is true. I mean, it's, it's as night follows day. You know, I feel for those, especially in the acting profession, I feel for some actors and actresses because they've obviously been told, you know, put Black Lives Matter in your bio, put your pronouns in the bio, put everything that you're supposed to do now, because otherwise you might lose work. 
Now, this to me, it's just extraordinary. And so I feel some people are pressured into it. And I look in some people's faces uh, sometimes and they say, no, no, I believe, you know, trans women are women. And you can see they don't. But it's terrifying to be on the end of a TRA attack, which I have been on the end of a lot. Not as much as I have to say all the women I follow, they're subjected to much worse abuse. But it's, it's a really, it's the vilest of the vile. It's, 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 it's just really unpleasant people. So let's talk a little bit about Stonewall, who you've mentioned. And Stonewall, I'm sure listeners will know, Stonewall is Britain's leading gay rights charity. It's done some very important work in over the past few decades in terms of securing gay equality and gay rights and changing the political culture in this country in a significant way in order to make life for gay people easier, more equal, more free. But then there's been this turn, the, the Cujo turn, as you've referred to it, and yeah. they've now become an LGBT charity, very much a T charity. It's not just the T. In fact, I don't think the T is the problem. The problem is the Q. <laughs> yeah. The problem is the plus, plus, plus. The problem is the two spirits. The problem is the 71 different yeah. genders growing by day, by day, by day, meaning, you know, I'm, I'm ace, which means I don't like sex. Why is there a word for that? You just, everyone, you, you need to be in a little box. So I, I, I don't think it's the team. It's, it's everything else. Good point. It's LGBTQIAA plus, all, it goes on and on and on. The alphabet soup, as people refer to it. But one of the most extraordinary things, I think, about the, the turn that Stonewall has taken in recent years, which is worrying a huge number of people, which is why the LGB Alliance was founded is that it's now found itself or cornered itself into a situation where it is actually arguing almost against same-sex rights. So the replacement of the category of sex with a category of gender has a very transformative impact on how people understand these issues. So, for example, if you look at the brave lesbians who are taking a stand against some of these problems and and against Stonewall, the point they make very, very reasonably is that if a man can identify as a lesbian, then you erase the whole meaning of lesbianism, which was women yeah. who love women. So how yeah. how have we got to this really very odd, historically strange situation where some, a group like Stonewall is taking a position that I would argue actively harms the interests of same-sex attracted people by elevating gender ideology above everything else? It completely does. It completely does. I'm sorry, someone from Stonewall, I think it was someone very high up the other day, called lesbians sexual racists, which I thought was appalling. They also said, anyone who says anything about it is a hateful bigot, you know, and that's including you, you you treacherous. I was called by some, this infamous doctor on Twitter, I was called a traitor to my people. I was saturated in white cis male privilege and I um, had no respect for my NB siblings. Now look, all these words are meaningless to me. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. But Stonewall totally ignore. I mean, look what what happened to Alex Brannan at the March in Manchester where he wore the Alliance hat. Still part of the gay community apparently. No, no longer. Because they have this in their head that the LGB Alliance is a hate group. 
without thinking why the LGB alliance was set up. It was set up because it's the only, or, uh, the only organization now charity that focuses on the lives of lesbians and bisexuals, which is all about who you're attracted to, not who you wish to become. So it, it, it is totally different. But to call them a hate group is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And they know it's a lie. The founders worked at Stonewall years ago. The other one was, was the founder of uh, the Gay Liberation mm-hmm. Front. So this is not a hate group. That is a lie. Trans people were at the conference the other day. Many trans people online, you know, some who are remain anonymous because otherwise they get real hate. It's just a lie. It's a total lie. And I wish people would just for a second step back. Because if you're talking about the fact that the T is missing, then why hasn't Gay Times changed the title? Why hasn't the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir changed their title? Why hasn't the London Gay Men's Choir changed the title? You know, surely Gay Times is excluding everyone, lesbians, bisexuals, things. This is where they are. Is that speech by Russell T. Davis that to remove the T is to kill? I mean, I, I, I didn't know what to say. I, I, I was open mouthed. It is a lie. It is an absolute lie. The thing that I find most disturbing in relation to the impact of this ideology or the impact of this campaigning on the rights and the standing of of same-sex attracted people is that we've now returned to a situation where same-sex attracted people are looked upon almost as perverts, almost as weirdos. So, I mean, if you, you know, going beyond Stonewall a little bit, although I do think they are instigating this by suggesting that it is somehow bigoted if a lesbian rejects someone with a penis, that's bigotry, when in fact that's lesbianism. That's that's what it means. But if you look at, for example, the TikTok generation, the TikTok generation is a world that I have no understanding of at all. But if you look at any clips, they will, these young people who identify as all sorts of weird genders, they will openly say that lesbians who only go with female, women with female genitals are bigots and weirdos. So we've gone back 50, 60, 70 years to a situation where we're now saying about homosexual people, there's something wrong with you. And isn't that really a regressive step? Of course it is. Again, I blame social media. I blame the fact that it's it's no coincidence that social media comes along where you can access the most extreme forms of pornography that uh, that you can see at any time. And you can sit there and then you start identifying and then you hear pop stars saying, you know, oh, I'm going to wear a dress today to look at thing. You know, the PR company told them to do it. And you think to yourself, right, there is a correlation between this. And the, uh, and the thing about the TikTok kids is the anger. Yeah. It's, it's all done in this tone of, you say, you don't own me. You don't, you don't know what I am. These are my pronoun, my braces. If you don't understand that, that if there's a, there's an anger uh, there. There's a lack of empathy. There, there's something missing, you know, and I, I don't want to call it a mental illness, but I, I, it is like a sort of contagion, like a social contagion that's taken over the world where up is down, left is right, and nothing is real anymore. And I think it's, I feel sad for them because not one of these kids looks happy. Not one of them shows any joy. I mean, back in our day, you know, you got razzle off the top or men only or whatever. I mean, that was as far as it went, you know, but 
Now, anyone, you know, they found my niece looking at it the other day. You can't stop them mm. looking uh, through it because if it's their phone is blocked, another one's won't be. So I think we we have created a an experiment that's gone horribly wrong, and we are now reaping the not benefits from it. Yeah. And I think it's going to get worse because these things aren't going away. I agree. And I think in relation to the LGB Alliance and the branding of the LGB Alliance as a hate group, I think that speaks to the kind of tactics that we're dealing with yeah. here, which is that if you deviate from any of this bizarre narrative that has emerged over the past few years, you will be defamed as bigoted, as transphobic, as as hostile and so on. But I, but in relation to the LGB Alliance, I think one of the most important things the LGB Alliance is doing at the moment is talking about the complicated issue of conversion therapy because, yes. and, and of course people are saying, oh, they, they are pro conversion therapy, another no. lie. And what they're actually saying is that obviously any forced attempt to make a, 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 a gay person straight as if it were possible. That's a terrible thing. But what they are in favor of is the right of experts and other members of a family or society to have honest discussions with confused mm-hmm. children who are yeah. potentially going to go down a very life-changing route in relation to changing their bodies. And isn't that the kind of discussions that LGB people ought to be having? Yes, it's, it's, it's conversion therapy. It's, it's called transing away the gay. Yeah. Uh, there's been numerous examples, numerous videos of mothers, especially in America saying, you know, there's no way I'm going to have a gay son. Uh, you know, my, my, my husband won't have that. So, you know, he said he played with the girl. So we made this decision and he said, yes. Of, of course he said, yes. He's four fucking years old. What, the, what was he going to say? You know, you don't let uh, kids drive at four. You don't let them get mm. tattoo. You know, the rule, the, you know, parenting is, is, is just gone with these people. It's a, and they're doing it for themselves not for the child. And this is a big move to take, to put these kids on what chemically castrated Alan Turing, uh, which, and it does do irreversible damage. Your brain isn't even fully formed till you're 25. So of course you've got this confusion because nobody really wants, you know, a faggot son and nobody really wants a lesbian daughter anymore. I mean, the word faggot and the word queer has come back. These were words that, you know, were screamed at us when, uh, you know, when we were genuinely attacked and killed back in the 80s. Uh, you know, this is what's astonishing to me. This is what's absolutely astonishing to me is homophobia is back. And they, Stonewall will go, you see the split that the LGB alliance has caused a massive rise in homophobia. It's bullshit. It's the other way round. It's what Stonewall has been doing. Has Because, you know, you've got people advocating for, for maps to be included in it. You know, put the P in. P is for paedophile. You know, let's understand. Let's be inclusive. I mean, really? We just got rid of this gay men are, are, are paedophiles thing. Now you want to bring it back because you want to be inclusive? No, that's why people are going to the Alliance, because they're the only group, the only group that works for our needs. They don't exclude anyone. You're trans, you're welcome to come along. But they focus on work, and they've been doing it in Uganda. People don't know about it because they don't, but it's so easy. It's the easiest tactic in the world. Accuse your enemy of the thing 
that you're doing yourself. Smear them. I think that that's very well put. And I think the, the return of homophobia is a very real problem. And it's, it, it's exactly as you describe. It's not coming because of the LGB alliance or anything else. It's coming because of, of things that Stonewall have done and, and other individuals, influential individuals, commentators and these campaigners too. And you have this kind of woke homophobia emerging. Why have two founders of Stonewall left? Yeah. Why has um, another one uh, criticized them very severely the other day? It, it, you know, they're slowly, there are reasons for this. Yeah. It, this is, it's not coincidence. I think one of the clearest expressions of that homophobia, which you touched upon already, is this extraordinary situation where young lesbians in particular, because there is a growing number of young girls who are going to gender identity clinics, yes. but also uh, gay boys, young gay men too. What's happening? We've created a situation where they're being turned into the supposedly correct gender. So medication is being used to correct often lesbians. And you know, ne I never thought we would find ourselves in a situation in Britain in the 21st century. And it actually reminds me, people forget that Iran, Iran has a very high number of transgender operations because it yes. is such a virulently homophobic society and it detests yes. gay men in particular and would rather transform them into women than allow them to Absolutely. live as gay men. And also, you know, these Iranian men can screw because there are plenty of homosexuals there. They can screw uh, the thing and just say, well, it's a woman. Yeah. It's a woman. Of course, it makes sense, you know, but we're way, way past this now. We're way past it. And things are getting ugly. Sorry, I interrupted you again. I'm getting no, very bad. I, well, my, my question was just going to be on what you think it will take to make people realise how dangerous it is that young people are being put on a conveyor belt of, of life-changing drugs. And I think your mention of Alan Turing is a really powerful point. You know, people, gay people in the past were often forced to undergo a castrative process chemically. Um, what do you think it will do to wake people up to the fact that it's not a good idea to put 13, 14, 15-year-old people, uh, uh, children, many of whom will be sexually confused, onto this conveyor belt that could have a detrimental impact on the rest of their life. I tell you what, Brendan, but I think what really concerns me is I have conversations. Uh, everyone on uh, social bloody media knows about this. They know about They might not know very much, but they know about this. But let's not forget most or a lot of people are not in this country, are not on social media. And I have conversations where people just don't believe what I'm saying. When I tell them about the situation, they say, no, I can't. They don't put men in women's prisons. So that, they wouldn't put a rapist into And I say, listen, it's happening. It is happening. And this is why we, there are so few of these investigative journalists who, who, are, who should be all over this. You know, so I blame the media as well. But again, it's all, it's all fear. It's, it, it's all fear based. But it's scandalous because I tell them, I was talking to a friend yesterday who, who had no idea this is happening. And of course, you know, America burps, we smell it. And we, and yeah. we all, it always happens. So what's happening is a lot of the TRAs are American. So we get a lot of people who are five years ahead of us in this coming over and getting involved and riling everyone up saying yeah. it should be like they're much more radical. So, of course, it's making the situation a whole lot worse. I'm not hopeful because I don't think many people understand 
what is going on at the moment. You don't read about it in the papers, but this is why it's so important for people like J.K. Rowling mm-hmm. to speak up, because what happened to her the other day was so despicable mm-hmm. and so adolescent and so dangerous for her that I hope now journalists will pick it up, make a story about it, which will make people go, now, why did that happen? What? So what did she say? What did she say? Oh, I'll read what she said. Well, 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 where's the transfer? I can't see any transphobia there. The situation is so ludicrous. It's almost like they want it to be this ludicrous because if it's this, uh, this unbelievable, who would believe it? I want to ask a couple of questions about another scandalous thing going on at the moment, which is the broader cancel culture. And you have felt a bit of cancel culture yourself. It's, it's, it's almost at this moment, it's like this free floating sword of Damocles that hangs over everyone who dares to have a certain viewpoint or to deviate from a certain narrative. And I want to talk to you about the role, the impact that cancel culture makes in comedy in particular and in art and entertainment more broadly. So I often think about Gimme, 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 which is literally my all-time favourite TV show. So I feel very honoured to be speaking to you. And um, <laughs> you. I want to ask you if whether you think a show like that would happen today because – there is certain, you know, it's got the stroppy, self-obsessed gay guy, i.e., you. It's got the um, the, the kind of working-class woman who just goes around everywhere making a holy show of herself, Kathy Burt's character. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many elements of it now which absolutely work and are hilarious. But you think, would that make it past the kind of woke guardians these days, and would it be pummeled if it did make it past? Number one, it would never ever ever, ever be made unless there was a very brave producer who just... And it will happen mm. where there's a brave producer who's going to go, you know something? I'm going to make the opposite of uh, the, the MASH report. I'm going to make it actually so we get funny people back again. Because what's happened now is... I don't like the word woke because people have overused it, and have now, which is their intention to, to sort of destroy the word. But the woke now are so sort of frantic about this that anything anything that happens in comedy that they disagree with. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone suddenly becomes a critic. So it's not a question of uh, of people be, of them cancelling it. It's that such a furore is yeah. made every single time. And I remember back in the day when, you know, you read the newspapers and there were seven letters outraged from saying, out complaining about a programme. And you'd think to yourself, well, just turn... Turn the channel over. (laughs) Turn turn the TV off. Now, no, there's a doctrine. You have, you cannot laugh at that. You mustn't laugh at this. You can laugh at that. Uh, You know, there's this phrase of, you know, of punching down in thing, which I agree, you wouldn't make a joke about a homeless person and then laugh at his predicament. You wouldn't do it. But who is the, who are the moral arbiters of, of what is funny? It's these people. It's not only all the committees at, at, at the places making television, it's the artists themselves. It's the writers. They are actually part of this woke movement. I've had arguments on Twitter with, with actual people in the theatre profession who would boycott someone's show for their belief, not an offensive belief either, and they would do it. And I just think, you're not a creative person in any way. You're an authoritarian. You know, and these people who think they're being so, you know, sort of radical and everything, they are the establishment. Yeah. 
They are the establishment. Owen Jones' establishment. They think they're the radicals. They're not. We are the radicals at the moment. And this is why. And it's, and we are at a grassroots level. So of course the LGB alliance is going to get, uh, hate just in the way that lesbian and gay news that David Bridal brought out on Twitter got exactly the same response. Where's the B? Where's the T? Where's the Q? Where's the this? Where's the that? Well, it's just called lesbian and gay news, you know, and it's, you know, you can write about it, uh, trans issues. They do anything. This is where we are. Again, it's a craziness. I think that point about the new establishment is is very well made because it often strikes me, and I, want, I wanted to ask you about whether you think there are similarities between this current crusade against anything that's deemed to be offensive or non-inclusive or however else they, whatever euphemism they might use for things that they just really think are blasphemous against contemporary narratives. Whether you think there are links, similarities between that and the kind of censorship that used to exist in the 70s and 80s, which was much more the kind of blue rinse Christian type, you know, the obviously most famous Mary, Mary, Mary Whitehouse, but there seems to have yeah. been almost a shift from, you know, the blue rinse lobby with their Bibles to the blue dyed hair lobby on TikTok, you know, same yeah. colour hair, same approach, yeah. but they, yeah. they justify it in a different kind of language. They are the most puritanical, humorless bunch I have ever come across in my life. In fact, I wish Mary Whitehouse would come back uh, because hers were all about, you know, uh, when you offended Jesus, uh, you said a bad word, you swore, you know, so they were a sort of, you know, she had a point in a way, you know, <laughs> or ladies don't want to hear swearing and, you know, and she was harmless. So she had a brigade of people. But these are, these people are much more insidious because they're coming at it from a totally different angle because it's not to do with what you say. It's whether you even exist. It's like Chubby Brown having his concert cancelled. So he couldn't even go out and do it. He's not allowed to exist and do it. This is what they do. This is they. This is when the people say cancel culture; it doesn't exist. I laugh. I just laugh because you see it every single day. Now you might not find Chubby Brown Chubby Brown funny. I don't particularly find him funny, but there are people who do, and we're being treated like children. And why should they go and uh, watch whoever they want? I mean, it's not like he's Goebbels giving a speech in, 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 in the thing. I mean, people are so puritanical. It's, we are in the era of the crucible again. It's, I saw Goody, I saw Goody Dreyfus. Uh, he said something, and I, I didn't quite hear what he said, but it sounded transphobic. It, burn him, burn him, uh, do it to him, do it to him. This is where we are. Yeah. And I'm not, I know it sounds ludicrous, but that's what it's, that's what it's like. Yeah. Absolutely. And I thought that the incident with Terry Gilliam at the Old Vic, where he was reportedly given the boot, he was going to be producing Sondimes Into the Woods. Um, Terry Gilliam, cinematic genius, incredibly talented in terms of culture. Um, Sondheim had given his blessing to the production. He thought it was going to be very interesting, but apparently it had to be stopped because of Gilliam's personally held beliefs. Nothing he had in the show, but simply because he's criticized the Me Too movement. He made a joke about identifying as a black lesbian. He, he blasphemed essentially, and therefore he has to be cast out. But isn't this the resurrection of the blacklist? It's McCarthyism. It's McCarthyism. Mm. We all know who Roy Cohn is. I mean, you know, we, uh, a treacherous 
bastard like Roy Cohn, McCarthy, it's blacklist and, and, and this is happening. I mean, to do it to Terry, I mean, to, people have no sense of history. Monty Python, if you know anything, they are anarchic, they say anarchic things, they do anarchic things. They had that whole Life of Brian debate, which actually looks really calm yeah. <laughs> and quiet now. And, and Gilliam saying, you know, what he believes, and he's entitled to his opinions and everything. But the adults are indulging the children. Yeah. So when the children complain, the adults go, oh, okay, we won't do it. So the adults are, are as bad as the children because the children go, well, I don't like what he believes. And the adults go, oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll make it okay for you. You know, we'll make it okay so you're not offended and you feel unsafe. This word of I feel unsafe in the theatre, I feel unsafe with that person. Come on. You don't feel unsafe. Who's going to attack? Someone said about Judy Bindle. You know, oh, I feel unsafe that she's in the same room. She's like, what am I going to do? Fly over and, and hit you or something? It's so <laughs> ridiculous. You know, people are afraid of opinions now. People are afraid of what, of beliefs. This is what, when people ask you, what are your pronouns? That's, this is not a question. This is a test. Yeah. Because if you don't answer, oh, uh, he, him, immediately, and you say, no, you can just call me James. Oh, oh. Yeah. That person will go to someone else. He's a transphobe. He's a, it's a test. And this is where we are. I think that the, the point about Monty Python, the changing culture is a good one because I often think if Life of Brian came out today, it, it wouldn't be the Christians standing outside cinemas. It would probably be TRAs because of the hilarious dialogue. Loretta. Yeah, Loretta, Stan wanting to be Loretta, and that would have caused a huge uproar. You know, it, it really would. Yeah. It, I mean, it really would. I, I mean, I'm surprised already, but for some reason they've left it alone. I, I yeah. mean, it's, it's weird, but they've left it alone. But how prescient. Absolutely. Ever, you know, you know well, how are you, you going to get pregnant? What are you going to keep it in a, in a box? You haven't got a womb, you know. And it was like, and we all laughed along because it was such an absurd <laughs> thing to say. Yeah. Well, it's become reality now. It's become reality. And this is not erasing. A saying uh, a reality is not attempting to erase anyone. It's not hating anyone. It's not being bigoted anyone. It's just saying, Robert Winston on Question Time the other night said the biological fact. I saw the hopelessness in his eyes. He said, I'll just get hate now. But, you know, well, I, I'm just stating a biological fact. But when you in, you're, you're in a situation where people are denying facts and science and uh, things that have been proven and are real, you're in a real mess. Okay, James, sadly, we're running out of time, but I just have one more question for you, which is, I guess it's the big question, which is, what can be done about this stuff? And you've touched on it already in terms of hoping that people open their eyes and read the, you know, read what JK Rowling said and find out a bit more that, about the fact that men are being put into women's prisons and push back against cancel culture, all those things. But, but given how much of a threat cancel culture poses to the discussion about women's rights, to the ability to be a comedian, to what kind of art and entertainment are being produced, given it poses that level of a threat, what do you think can be done by people like you and others to push back against this and hold back the tidal wave so that we retain some of those freedoms and also basic common sense? Well, I, I, it's unfortunate, but I think, I think some people just have to uh, fall on their swords at the moment because it's going to happen. It's happened 
to women. I feel okay about being cancelled because uh, it's it's something I couldn't have kept quiet about if mm. if I if I tried because I've seen all the uh, this both sides business and I've seen uh, what's going on. And once you've had you know the, the skin ripped from your eyes, you can't put it back on again. So uh, you know this is just a fight one has to get involved in. The trouble is, it's we've just come through you know a period of two years of no work. Uh, people have very little money, people jobs are scarce, and people are they're afraid they are afraid they're talking about getting rid of anonymity on twitter there's a reason for that, and it's not just for the trolls it's because of you know well, we know where you live now, we know where you work, and we're going to get you sacked so so <laughs> I don't know the way out of it. I, I, I just don't know the way out of it. I, th- it's, I hate to say, I think it's going to get much worse before it begins to change. Everything is cyclical and it will, you know, in five years' time, we might be laughing about this. I doubt it, but we might be. But uh, people will are slowly waking up, very slowly. But we've got to have more people speaking up. We've got to have more heavyweight people speaking up and saying, come on. Uh, you know, get with it. But you see, it's it's the pop stars of the moment, you know, who have 36 million followers who say, oh, buy this book. And you just think, well, that's 30 million kids who've just swallowed a pill that is not good for them. So um, I'm not that hopeful. I just think we're going to have to keep fighting. James, thank you very much indeed. Most welcome. Thank you for listening to The Brendan O'Neill Show. We'll be back with another guest and more discussion. Don't forget to subscribe. And in the meantime, keep reading Spiked at www.spiked-online.com.